Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. by Hibbs only as far as Oda left foot shot goal it's Yutaro Oda with a left foot drilled effort into the bottom right corner hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club we're back after a few days that saw storm jostling wreak havoc across the country. But despite Dundee threatening to take the wind out of Hearts' sails, the Dark Blues were blown away in the second half at Tynecastle as a maroon typhoon rained down on Trevor Carson's goal and sent the Jambos faithful home happy, albeit maybe a little, little damp and a little windswept. I'm Laurie Dunsire. Joined by a man from the land of tornadoes, it's Mark Donaldson. Yeah, that's more down south. Up here we've got snow right now, but pitch is playable despite that. And a 3-2 win for, for Hearts. I was just thinking, when was the last time we missed a penalty and didn't win a game? Um, put me on the spot there. I'll, I'll try and find that out when there's a... I don't, a I don't, know, I don't know is the answer. I, because the three that Shankland's missed, we've won them all recently. Haven't we? Uh, no, I'm not. Yes. Saying, I'm not saying give us a penalty so we can miss it and then go on to win the game. But yeah, I was just thinking about that today. Um, when he when he missed yesterday, I was like, oh no, no. But they found a way again. So his three misses have all coincided with Hearts actually winning the game. So yeah, it's I, it's, it's a different tactic to take, but so far. <laughs> So far, it's working. We are also joined by someone who is probably more likely to be caught playing Twister than find himself near one, I would imagine. It's Scott McIntosh. Yeah, evening, gentlemen. Uh, nice to see that the storm has left a very chilly temperature at Easter Road just now. I believe it's still minus 14 down there, so <laughs> long may that continue. Oh, uh, it's at minus 16 up in Aberdeen as well. Even colder. Don't do this. Don't do, I don't like this. In, in, I know. In the don't you dare after what happened last I year. Have you two know. fuckers not learned. We're having a little joke, okay? Oh, it was and funny Aber- last year, wasn't it? When we fucked up five million about, against the wall. Yes, and Aberdeen have about fifty games in hand as well, and they play us at the weekend. So only um, only three now. They had four. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll we'll get to all that. So of course uh, we're back with a, a shorter episode this week. We had a or doing a, a double matinee, a double feature this week. So uh, we talked about. Spartans in our last one this week we will um, this this week this episode we'll speak about Hearts against Dundee and we will have a little look ahead to the game against Aberdeen this coming weekend as well and before we get into that I'm just looking at 
the latest news and Scott Fraser deal that we spoke about looked like it was going to happen at the moment. Slight delay, which tends to happen, Mark, if um, a team's manager gets removed in the middle yes. of a, a transfer yes. negotiation. He's sitting at, at Tyne Castle with Joe Savage watching potentially his new team and just waiting on down south. But they have other fish to fry right now that are more important than a midfielder that they're ready to let leave. They need a new manager. So that in it, that one is kind of on ice for now. Uh, the only other bit of news really that popped up apart from the um, awful time slot for the Hearts Scottish Cup game against Airdrie, but we're not going to get to that just now. Uh, Alex Cochran. Kind of of interest, apparently, from down south, if we believe what we're reading. And someone who, similar to Lawrence Shankland, has 18 months left on his deal. I think you're looking at, was it Burnley, Blackburn Rovers and Ipswich were the teams whose names were floating around. He's certainly one that I think has a resale value, doesn't he, Scott? And I'd imagine, I think, was was a talk of hearts wouldn't accept less than £2 million And I would... I'd be hoping even more than that, albeit maybe his contract length will start to play a part. Yeah, I'd, I'd be looking for more money than that. It's it's a strange one. I think, you know, come the end of the season, he'll have been at the club three years and I, I can't foresee us tying him down on a longer deal. I think that's a really difficult one. I think it's, at this stage of his career, he probably will look to, to sort of move on to pastures new. He probably believes that there's a certain ceiling in terms of what he can achieve at the club. So yeah, I think that's, if not this month, then he is someone I can foresee leaving us in the summer, unfortunately. Uh, and all the best to him if that happens. I still yeah. would like to see him go abroad. I still think that he's more suited to a sort of slower style of game. I do think he still gets caught with balls in behind him. Uh, and I think playing down south, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not quite sure. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, if the offer comes in, can't blame the club for for accepting it. It's it's a different scenario to Shankland. You know, Shankland is a difference maker in terms of where we'll finish this season. I think with Cochrane, you could feasibly lose Cochrane for two or three million and 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 still have adequate cover in that yeah. position. Uh, so yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens between now and next week. I mean, this is where Mark we we have to make. Um, I think better calls as a club in terms of what we do with transfers. You know, if, if Alex Cochran indeed will not sign a new deal at Hearts, it is different from Shankland, as Scott rightly points out. Then we need to to cash in and make sure that when he goes, there's a, a decent profit on him, and it's not someone else who gets to the end of his deal and goes on a free transfer. Yeah, everybody's up for sale, regardless. Uh, if it's Lauren Shankland, if it's Alex Cochran, it's show me the money, whatever that money is. Now, I don't know how this story came about, but I wouldn't be averse if if Hearts had said to Barry or any other journalist, just to let you know, we've um, we've had a couple of uh, scout requests from these teams down south, and hey, if you wanted to speculate that they might be interested in our player. Here's the number that we wouldn't look for selling him for any less than, and go and write yourself a story. That that's easy to do. That, that that's easy to do. Is there any interest? I mean, look, having having been involved in in kind of getting those kind of and, and knowing a lot of these teams down south have got local scouts and they watch loads of games, but it just to generate interest in players you need to have speculation in the press. So if that's how it has come about, or if it's Barry saying, have you had any scouts and Barry doing his job, whatever way that's come about, that's the way to do it. Although that sounds a, 
a bit like something else. Um, that that's the way to to generate interest in your players. And if it comes to anything, great. May there be a bidding war. If it doesn't, let teams out there know that this is what we have and this is how much we're looking for. We'll see how that one develops. But in the meantime, we'll move on. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So Hearts against Dundee, we'll have a quick listen back to the action from that one now. Dundee though, have won it again, it's with Dodgson, that's certainly encouraged the away support, ball forward to Bakayoko, back to McGee, curling effort, it's a great finish, but the offside flag is up. The goal given, yep. Jordan McGee with the opener against his former club. Hart of Midlothian nil, Dundee won. McGee with the goal. Alex Cochran plays it inside. Lembekisa beaten by Costello, who stabs it forward. Cameron in the box. Left foot shot, it's a great finish. Dundee double their lead. And it's Lyle Cameron who slides the ball into the bottom right corner for his third goal of the season. Dara Costello slipped it in Hearts opened up there and Lyle Cameron Dundee's player of the year last season with a clinical finish and now Storm really is brewing in the home ends it's Hearts nil, Dundee 2 Neuenhoff lining up from range goes the low shot, great finish Elliot. Callum Neuenhoff with his first goal for Hearts we mentioned earlier he does score a few impressive goals but we hadn't seen it yet in Maroon well now we have great right footed effort in the bottom left corner Hearts 1, Dundee 2 onto his right foot taking on Jordan McGee one way then the other going towards the byline Forrest clips into the area does really well headed by Limbakisa home debut and it's a first goal in Maroon for the on one Wolves man Terrific header from Dexter Lembekisa back across the goal into the left corner. His second of the season having scored on Eddie for Rotherham went on loan. But it's his first for Hearts. And we're all square at Tynecastle. Hearts to Midlothian 2, Dundee 2. Now Forrest, edge of the area. Not much space there. Shanklin leaves it. Oda on the turn, left foot shot. Deflection on that final effort there from Oda off the bench when it loops in past the goalkeeper. And with four minutes to go, Hearts have turned this game on its head. Hearts of Midlothian three, Dundee two. Okay, so Hearts off the back of that win against Spartans in the Scottish Cup, hosting Dundee in their return to league action following the winter break. Five changes to the Hearts team from the game against the league. Two outfit, outgoing Craig Gordon, Yutaro Oda. Alan Forrest, George Grant and Kioske Tagawa and in came Xander Clark. Dexter Lembekisa for his first league appearance and his first start. Aidan Denham, Callum Neuenhoff and the returning Lawrence Shankland. Similar shape for Hearts, a 3-5-2, Xander Clark in goals. Kent Halkett, Kingsley back three. Lembekisa right, Cochrane left. In midfield of Benny Beningame with Aidan Denham and Callum Neuenhoff. And up front, Kenneth Vargas and the captain, Lawrence Shankland. Hearts go into the game unbeaten in six, winning five and drawing one. However, 
Just four wins from their 10 home league games this season up against the Dundee side who've hit the buffers a little bit recently in terms of their form. Just one win of their last seven. But in the league, they had only lost one of their last six away matches and that one came against Rangers at Ibrox. So we'll talk about how this game started. And Mark, first up, it felt a very similar sort of story for a lot of this first half with the passages of play in terms of what we've seen from Hearts when they've struggled, in particular in games at home against maybe sides that are happy to have that low block. There was a lot of the ball in defence, especially in Dundee, similar to Dens Park, very happy to let Hearts have the ball in those areas. But what was Stephen Naismith expecting from that selection? We spoke about we'd be fine with the back three because that's the way that they've been going. But eight of the outfield 10 are more defensive-minded players. That's You can't have that in a home game against Dundee. Where's your creativity? I'm not saying Alex Lowry, um, as someone who they've sent back, uh, would have been the difference maker or something like that. He's been injured, so we wouldn't have been able to call upon him anyway. But you've got Denham, you've got Benningham, you've got Neuenhoff. And yeah, Benny can maybe sit and distribute to Denham and Neuenhoff, but no, that it was just too samey-samey and... You keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to get the same results. It's very unlikely that suddenly these three midfielders become creators and suddenly Vargas and Shankland have got 10, 11, 12 chances in the first half. That's that's not the way it worked. And that, that was a, a first half. And, and no wonder Stephen Naismith called it toxic. Thankfully, we've got a coach that knows a way out of trouble. Unfortunately, we also have a coach that gets us into that trouble in the first place. But the proof of the pudding is at the end. How did it taste? You know what? We got three points. It could be a huge three points. But that first half, that was just grim. Yeah, Hearts did have some chances in the first half. Kenneth Vargas created a half chance, which he, he didn't really get any purchase behind. And Stephen Kingsley probably should have done better with a, a header from a corner kick in the 15th minute. Vargas would sky one over the bar. Uh, in between Dundee goals when he really should have done better. We'll, we'll talk about the, the Dundee goals. And I suppose, Scott, first up looking at these, one of the things that we have tended to be pretty decent at this season is being pretty solid at the back. And it's meant that although the game's been low tempo and there's not been much penetration, we've only maybe needed one goal to get a result. But the last two home games have been very different. So we had Jordan McGee curling in a really nice effort but it came from a pretty simple long diagonal and knockdown, and then a very poorly defended goal. Alex Cochran actually with a poor ball to Dexter Lembekisa, and then uh, Frankie Kent stepped out and allowed the ball to be slipped through to Lyle Cameron, who finished well, but that was a bit uncharacteristic um, from Hearts, wasn't it? And, and certainly on the whole this season. Yeah, and, and, and both goals come from us losing possession in our own half as well. Uh, the first one, as a result of, uh, I think it's Vargas trying to sort of run out of trouble, uh, sort of, and he's just outside his own penalty area, Dundee sort of win back possession, and it's a good, brilliant layoff. Uh, I think it's Bakioko that, that lays it off for yes, it is, yeah. to finish first time, and the second goal, you know, it, it comes for a throw, and I mean, this is something we might touch upon tonight or at a, a later stage, but we're we're so bad at recycling possession from our own throw-ins, you know, it, it's it's becoming a bit of a joke now and Cochrane sort of gets the ball and tries to sort of you know switch one over to Limbakisa it's not a great it's not a great ball 
player nips in ahead of Dexter and then sort of uh, slips in camera and he sort of slot home as well. So there were two poor goals for us to to lose. Uh, and I, do I think Dundee deserved a two 0 lead at half time? They probably didn't on the on the basis of sort of chances created. Although we weren't brilliant, we were still probably creating some of the better chances. But yeah, uh, I think there are some issues defensively that that need to be addressed. I think specifically Kent playing that right side. I think that there's a decision to be made when Rolls comes back in terms of having Kent or Halkett playing centrally. And I don't think we can play both of them in that back three because especially when we're in possession, teams are just letting Kent have the ball. And again, it's just leading to this very sort of passive and safe uh, sort of passing game that we're seeing from us in particular in our home fixtures. Aidan Denham had also gone off uh, with an injury to be placed by Alan Forrest in between Shankland. Uh, fired a shot over the crossbar, but at halftime, 2-0, so a, a chorus of boos around Tynecastle, the biggest storm in Gorgie was in the stands rather than in the skies. But it did prompt Hearts into to changes and a kind of very cliched game of two halves. We're going to talk about some positives in the second half and I think one thing pointed out by Mark is you've got to credit Stephen Naismith in terms of being able to change things and although maybe it's making us more reactionary um, you've got to give credit where it's due half time George Grant came on and the big thing here is a switch of shape isn't it Mark we go to the 4-2-3-1 and we've spoken on this podcast a few times I've said it loads of people have said it it's not, a, it's not a particularly original idea but I still feel in games like this I would prefer the 4-2-3-1 even if you lose a little bit of the security of that back three. When he came in, Stephen Naismith, seemed like his preference was 4-2-3-1. Recently, his preference has been three at the back. Um, do we have, given that he has changed in-game, as you both have mentioned, and as we have seen on several occasions from a three to a four, do we now have a setup whereby we assess the opposition and we're like, okay, for Dundee at home, it's a four. For Rangers at home or away, or Celtic at home or away, it's it's a three. I, th I think we have to. I think we have to be more flexible. We're not that team. We're not good enough to just say this is us. We're a three-four-three. Three. Come and beat us, and it doesn't matter what you throw at us. We still think that we're better than you because we're not. So we changed to a four. Um, <laughs> why George Grant wasn't on from the start with that midfield trio: Beningami, Denham, and, and Newenhoff. I don't know, but I, I, again. This podcast could be extremely critical if we'd lost the game, and it would deserve to be extremely critical. No one could complain about that as well. But we didn't. So I've got no issue whatsoever identifying the issues in the first half and then praising the changes that were made in, in the second half. I thought it was interesting, interesting to get your two thoughts as well. He didn't take Kingsley off. He took Cochrane off. Now, I don't think anybody could complain in that first half if they were replaced, but it was Kingsley that was chosen to stay on, whereas Cochrane usually, you would think, is the player that is more likely to get up and down, given the left wing back, and Kingsley doesn't ha quite have that engine. So that was a big call for George Grant to come on, but it was a sub that came on later that was probably the biggest alteration. Yes, indeed. We'll talk about that. I'll, I'll, I'll talk quickly... Um... No, in fact, we we will get to it because because it's a big thing here. I think we we felt like that would be the bigger change. In fact, when Benny Beningame goes off, I have to say I was feeling like, oh God, here we go again. It's just everything's mounting up on us. Uh, but 
Scott, this actually proved to be quite a beneficial change because um, young Macaulay Tate comes on. I'll speak about uh, the goals individually in a moment, but he's he's got something, doesn't he? Something that we're not getting from a lot of the other midfielders. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We've we've also spoke about that that change at half time in terms of the shape, and I, and I think that was a a contributing factor, but I think the two incidents that happened earlier in the second half help us just as much as that change, and it's like you've mentioned, Macaulay Tate coming on for, for Benny, thankfully it doesn't sound like it's it's too bad a knock that he's taken. On the Cochrane point, Mark, I think Naismith said to Brian McLaughlin last night that he also had a bit of a knock, which is why that gotcha. change was made, but he did say they were going to change the system anyway, so whether he would have been the one that would have been sacrificed at, I suppose we don't know, maybe he's just... Was that a challenge with Jordan McGee? Did I, say uh, I mean, he's, he, he is maybe just protecting him by saying it wasn't tactical, sure. I don't know, but I'd imagine you'll see Cochrane back at the weekend. Yeah. But the, the other change that, that worked in our favour was Luke McCowan coming off for Dundee uh, early in the second half, uh, just shortly after he'd went close with a free kick. He's someone that me and Joel spoke about a couple of weeks ago in a standard podcast about someone we'd like to see at the club. Uh, again, similar to Forrest and Shankland, he's went through that trajectory working through the lower leagues and he's at a good age now. He's 26, hitting the, his peak years and he's a good box-to-box midfielder. Uh, and I felt that Dundee lost a little something when he came off. They also decided to sort of, I think, defend what they had and I think they did invite that pressure on a little bit but but yeah definitely take coming on for Beningame certainly worked in our favour as well Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s for more visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Alan Newenhoff wasn't uh, having a, a particularly great game. I'll, I'll be diplomatic about it because we turned this one around. <laughs> but uh, one thing we saw from um, Clips when he was in Australia was he fancied the odd crack at goal from range and scored some decent goals. We hadn't really seen that yet. But um, you got to credit him here because he, he scores a really nice goal. And you know we'll talk about Tate's involvement. He actually... Uh, Macaulay Tate actually had some involvement in all three of the goals, but I think just moving the ball quicker, it's keeping it simple. Jimmy Sanderson was really impressed with me. He's keeping it simple, but he's looking forward and he's moving the ball quickly. Whereas a lot of the other stuff with Hearts was a bit more pedestrian, a bit more sideways, and, and obviously back the way. So you've got to credit him. And, it, and it's a really fine finish as well, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah, really good finish. And, and to be honest, it probably got him out of jail because I didn't think he was great. And he's he's. I don't know what the mentality is. And Stephen Naismith likes him. Stephen Naismith came out and said that. He thinks he'll be a big player for Hearts in, in years to come. And I hope he's right. I hope he's right. But I don't know if the system that Hearts play suits Callum Newenhoff right now. But when he's 25 yards from goal, just shifts it onto his other foot and then scores a, a nice goal. Yeah, and that, that was a it was a big goal at a big time because we needed to get at least one on the board um, pretty quickly um, within the first 15 of the second half. And that's what we did. Five minutes later, Hearts were handed uh, a brilliant opportunity to get level. Uh, Stephen Kingsley crossed from the left, and Lawrence Shankland tumbles over in the box. There were certainly big claims from the Hearts striker. Scott, I don't know what you think of this one. We got multiple replays of this one. I didn't see anything at the time to 
suggest to me that it looked like a clear penalty and I've not seen an awful lot that would um, convince me otherwise at this point, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think I'd be generous to even claim that it's a, a soft decision. Uh, it's it's one of those, again, we, we go back to this whole use of VAR and it's supposed to be clear and obvious decisions. That, to me, isn't a clear and obvious mistake. Uh, and it's and it's a it's a really soft decision. It's minimal contact. It reminded me of the the late penalty we got Tannadice last season that Shankland scored in the two all game, where again there wasn't a lot of contact. You know, Shankland sort of he obviously makes an effort to try and get to the ball, but he's nowhere near it, and he goes down, and and a penalty's given. So, yeah, I mean, you're thankful to get the decision, but but yeah, I think Dundee fans will you know, rightly feel aggrieved uh, at that decision. So, Lauren Shanklin steps up after the VAR review confirmed a penalty kick. Uh, Owen Dodgson booked and Lauren Shanklin, having scored 15 out of 15 penalties for Hearts, has now missed three in a row. Mark Donaldson, is he set to be removed from penalty kicks or do you just keep letting him hit them? You keep going. You keep going because when you've got a player like that and, and he scores the goals that he does, if you're taking penalties off him, the bottom line is he should be the one to decide. If he wants to take the next one, he takes it. If he doesn't, then you find another one. And I'm assuming you'll want to take the next one. But it just anything that can boost the value of a player on paper. Now, he scored no penalties at all this season. He's missed three. And as you say, he scored his 15 before that. It just needs a goal from the penalty spot. Um, but I'm sure he'll want to take the next one and I've got, I've got no issue with that. I'd rather have a penalty with Shankland taking it, not knowing if he's going to score or not, than, than not getting a penalty at all. What I would say with regards to the incident... Yeah, but... <laughs> that's, yeah, but they, that's... What? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you'd rather have a penalty than not have a penalty, but I mean, that doesn't really... At what point... I'm just... I'm, I'm just putting it out I mean, at what point... Would would you think you should change taker? No, he should be the one five? to decide. But he should be the one to decide. He's the captain, the on-field captain. He's not the club captain, but he's got the armband. It should be up to him. Stephen Naismith came out afterwards and says he'll take the next one if he wants to. Then that's good enough yeah. for me. You with that, Scott? If Shanklin gets to seven, eight penalties, is that missing a row? Just oh no! So hold on a minute. You've got him missing three, and then now you've got him missing seven or eight. I think it's that's a bit of a jump. It's similar to having a player that's going through a barren spell in front of goal, isn't it? I mean, if he's got form and if he's got, you know, a history of being able to hit the back of the net, then I think you persevere with it. And also, if you if you don't have a an obvious replacement, which I don't think we have, looking at that squad, then then again, I, I think you, you persevere with it. I think George Grant looked like he was sniffing around the the penalty uh, last night he looked like he was interested in getting involved but <laughs> for me you know Shanklin's the only one that we should be allowing to take these penalties just now he's captain it's probably his sort of prerogative I'm, to I'm take just playing devil's advocate I don't disagree I'm just, no, I'm just I, I know you there. are I know yeah and, but, and that I'd rather have a penalty than not have a penalty I can understand why you jumped upon that phrase that I used yes. I get that. <laughs> By the way, when you've got budget VAR and you've got six cameras, you're better off with a camera in the Gorgie fish bar, seriously, to 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 see if it was a penalty or not. Because of those six cameras, only three of them are on the action. It's a nonsense. It's it, it's like the Motherwell Celtic game when they gave they had to 
check the offside decision from a camera in the other half. If we're going to be using um, all these kids' toys um, because we've, we've bought budget VAR, then hell mend them. Spend more to get better or scrap it all together. And it ain't getting scrapped. So they've got to do something about this because there's no way you can categorically say it was a foul in Shankland or it wasn't no. when you are seeing it from those angles because there's only six cameras and of those six, only well, three are in use at the time. Yeah, the angles I've seen, I would, I would have to say you couldn't really give a penalty, no would chance. be my view. Um, it probably was, but you can't based on that. Uh, in terms of, I think the last time Hearts missed a penalty and didn't win the game was April mm. 2022 when Barry Mackay missed in a 1-1 draw against Ross County. Huh? Last time we missed and lost, I think, was Liam Boyce in January 2022 when we got beat by Celtic 2-1 at home. Hit the when post. was the last time we missed three in a row? Oh, I don't know. The 12 season. We missed quite a few that season before the, yeah. the semi-final and cup final. <laughs> you, can, you can try and find that out. Mark, by going to the, the next point. Um, so, still 2-1 at this point to Dundee. Crossing, though, much better from Hearts. They certainly started to up the ante in the second half. Decent um, tempo, balls in the box, Vargas, Kingsley, Forrest, Elen Bakisa, much better, having been very poor in the first half with deliveries. And eventually, leveler comes, 16 minutes to go. Uh, Alan Forrest does really well. He's been great for Hearts this season, and Deserved his new deal, gets to the byline, clips it into the back post, and there's Dexter Lembakisa attacking the ball well, nodding it in and making it 2-2. And he was going to be my go-to kind of player to, to nominate Someone for Someone sent him to score. Was it you that said he was going No, I said against Spartans. I didn't say it for the I didn't say it for the last game. Um but I said against Spartans and I I, I really like him. You can see he's a, he's still raw defensively. You can see why he would have been getting um maybe a bit of stick in the English Championship playing obviously much better teams on a regular basis, but going forward, he's what we need, isn't he? If we're, if, especially if we're playing a wing-back. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I think I read afterwards, I'm sure I read a transcript of, of Stephen Naismith's um, post-game um, media conference. I think Forrest and Grant started from the bench with Saturday in mind. Um, that's why the team was picked the way it was um, because he did have Saturday in mind, which I can kind of understand, but it's not like Wednesday was the game and Saturday was the next one. It was a Tuesday through to Saturday. But Forrest is someone who um, is 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 an he's an important part for us, whether he starts or or whether he doesn't, because he gives us something we don't have from many others. So Dexter Limbakisa on the score sheet and the momentum all with hearts at this point and it's one of the problems if you if you try and defend a lead so much like Dundee did it's very hard to try and swing the game back in your favour albeit there was a little scare when um, Craig Halkett put himself in bother he did it a few times this game and got a little bit of a, a let off when his foul was that was his brother playing box. last night but, well, I was, was going to ask Scott what, what's happening with Craig Halkett because he was um not at his best in this one. No, I, I think he just chalk up to just being a, a poor night at the office. Eh? A few players were like that. Benny wasn't having a great game before he got injured either. It probably wasn't Shanklin's best performance in a Hearts jersey. Uh, yeah, he had a few sort of brain fart moments in the second half. Uh, obviously, there was those two moments that led to the, the Dundee free kick. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the good thing is, you know, we're 
we're having those erratic moments and we're having players that are maybe only turning on for 20, 30 minutes in a game and yet we're, you know, we're coming away with the three points. So, you know, we, we don't want this cycle to continue too long because that happened last year. We know how, how hard it was to shift out of it once the results went against us when we weren't playing convincingly. So I do think that we we do need to show a little bit more in, in terms of patterns of play when we've got the ball. But Halkett's uh, been generally fairly decent since coming back into the team. Uh, and I've 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 got no qualms with him probably coming back into form again for the weekend. Uh, it was just one of those nights where I, I don't know, just a few players had those moments. You know, they were just struggling with the ball at their feet. And f- fair play to Dundee, I think they've done well to capitalise on that quite a few times. Fantastic moment though, with four minutes of the ninety eight remaining. Alan Forrest involved again, a little dummy by Lawrence Shankland and Utaro Oda firing in left-footed over the goalkeeper and I think Scott called it pivotal this moment Mark and it does feel like that way doesn't it even though we we had a decent lead in third anyway but um, despite being on a good run of form there may have been some question marks about certain things but I think the character and the way we played in the second half I think really will just feel important doesn't it? I think character is a really good word to use because I love seeing celebrations after goals who goes where smiles on faces and there's a great there's clearly a great team spirit at the football club and there's something special I mean I I know we haven't won a game having been 2-0 down at Tynecastle since we beat Motherwell 4-2 in September 2002 I think it was and the time before that was Celtic when we came back at Celtic Park from two goals down to win 3-2 in in 2000 and when you've won a game when you've kind of resigned yourself at 2-0 down that you ain't going to win it it's it's like getting something taken away from you it's like when you've got the three points and they equalize in the last minute whether it was Hibs or whoever it was and they end up getting um, a point out of it and it feels it just feels horrible so to come from to come from 2-0 down to play like we did having played like that in the first half and to extend our lead in third to eight points, and with Hibs losing on Wednesday and with Aberdeen dropping points in Perth, you can only do your own job. I would argue the standard of Scottish football this season is as low as I can remember for, I don't know, a good decade or two. But you've still got to do your job. You've got to be best of the worst. That's what Hearts are doing right now. And with an eight-point lead over Kilmarnock and an even bigger lead over, over St Mirren, Hibs got a couple of games in hand, it's now time to push on. It's now time to learn the lessons. Why did we screw up last year? What happened? There's no distractions apart from the Scottish Cup. So the fixture list coming up is all right as well. Let's go and get these points on the board and hopefully come the top six split, we've already secured third spot and then we can just wait and see what the Scottish Cup brings to let us know if we'd be playing in the group stage of uh, European competition next season. Let's have a quick look at some of the reactions we got sent on social media. 
um, just after the game since I was young podcast said I said it weeks ago that back three at home just doesn't suit us can't put my finger on why but it doesn't work back four should be used more often no confidence that a system system and personnel change swung the game our way second no coincidence I should say that a system and personnel change swung the game our way second half Scott Wilson the Scott Wilson said Henry Smith forecasted a 3-2 pre-match in the Gorgie suite so there you go Henry Smith mystic Meg there um Positives were Lim Bikisa in a great second half, says Graham. Tate was superb when he came on and Forrest and Oda also made a huge difference. Uh, Jordan says first half rotten, second superb. Tate excellent when he came on. Dexter looks a good addition too. Oda is a different player when he's running at people. Biggest concern for me right now is the keeper situation. Clark's nowhere near Gordon's level. Uh, Bry Pye says Len Bikisa was excellent Tate looks like he's played 100 games Very assured, glad that Oda is doing his bit To silence the critics Jamie says going off piste Very slightly uh, But I can't ever recall fe uh, Feeling any hope, never mind excitement Over any youth players under Nielsen Earlier this season a breakthrough for Denham And another tonight for Tate Who was absolutely outstanding Under very challenging circumstances uh, Alistair Dobby, positives, he says. The comeback, three goals from players not named Shankland. Lembekisa, Tate, Oda, Forrest, Grant. Negatives, defensive brain farts. Shankland and injuries. Uh, madness all in, and we should have been out of sight with the number of chances we ended up creating. Uh, Tim Sanders says, why can't we play like we did in the second half for the 90-plus minutes? Uh, what else have we got here? Claudio Berbeche says there were both pluses and minuses, even for our best man, Limbakisa, which rather sums up this game. Second half attitude was the main thing. Clearly improvement in this area under Naismith, but too many negatives. Clark's clearances, Halkett's passing, Benny's fitness, Shank's focus. And let's see, Phil Fielding says negative, gifting two goals in general, sloppy play by defenders, but positives. Neuenhoff performance, good attacking play from Dexter, and also nice to see Oda playing so well after disappointing on Saturday. Andy Grant says we need to start winning, uh, start games, especially at home, with more forward thinking players. And Stuart Moody says positive is the second half in the character shown, Tate and Dexter. Negative, the defence has looked a lot shakier since Halkett's come back in and Kent has moved to the right. Very slow starts against County Livy and last night. Um, we'll move on though, we've got a game very quickly to talk about. But yes, for the first time since 2002, Hearts came from 2-0 down at home to win a game that was against Motherwell in September 2002 so uh, a nice time to do it big result for Hearts big three points and we'll move on you're listening to Scarves Are in the Funnel sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s now before we go we have to briefly talk about Heart of Midlothian against Aberdeen coming up on Saturday a big game for two sides that were battling for third last season. Right now, Aberdeen a bit off the pace, but as I mentioned, they do have multiple games in hand. Three at the moment. Uh, 20 matches though now, without an away winner between these sides. The last time there was an away winner was when Aberdeen won in front of the old main stand in 2017. Hearts have won four in a row at home to the Dons, scoring 11 and conceding one. So they won 2-0 in August, thanks to goals from Oda and Boyce, uh, losing 2-1 at Pataudry in December. Um, in terms of form overall, Hearts unbeaten in seven, winning six and drawing one. Five wins from 11 at home in the league now. Aberdeen have only lost two of the last eight in all competitions, 
But a little bit of pressure on Barry Robson right now. They just drew with St Johnston 1-1 just about an hour ago since that finish at the time of recording. So it's a game with, um, I suppose, a lot riding on it for Aberdeen. If they were to lose this, they would go, I believe, 19 behind Hearts. So even if they were to win their games in hand, it would give them a 10-point deficit. But if they can win this one with those games in hand, it does give them a little bit of hope. Um, big game, Mark. How are you feeling? And the big question is going to be, to heart start with a back three and a back four? Start with a back four and they play Craig Gordon. Let's stop fucking around here. Play your best players. Craig Gordon is the club captain. We have leadership up front through Lawrence Shankland. Let's have leadership from the back as well. I just think you'll get more of, um, I'm not seeing a concrete nature from the defence, but when I said last week about Craig Gordon's in goal, I said, it's okay, everything's fine again. It's, that, it's just is that Is that the anything wrong though? Maybe no, but, say from but, Zach Robinson. What are we doing here? What, what are we doing here is distribution. I'm, I'm, yeah, you play your well, I, would, I wouldn't get that. I wouldn't get into that side of the argument. No, I mean, no, no. And never look, Craig's, no, no, Craig's weakness, no, no. But look, I'm, what are we doing here? Are we waiting for a fuck up from Xander Clark that might cost us three vital points or might cost us two points if we're leading and, and he screws up? Because ultimately, the only way that Craig Gordon is going to be playing before the Airdrie game is if Xander Clark screws up and that might cost us. Because Craig Gordon's I mean, next like, game is likely to be Airdrie. Play you your know, best we, players. We've spoken about it and I would play Gordon, but if he's played Xander Clark against um, Dundee... He's two goals. Yeah, right. could you blame him for either? They're both decent finishes. But, but I mean, when, look, we might. There's a decent chance we'll get away with not starting Craig Gordon in the league and playing Xander and still finishing third. But play your best players here, and he is he's he's a he's okay. a leader. He's a leader from the back. Okay, so start that's fine. him. You've right. Seen, okay, I I just I, I don't want to focus too much on that because I don't think he'll I don't think he'll start. Um, no, I know, but when. Okay. When does so, he start? I, I I don't know. I don't know. But let's 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 talk. Okay, so four, two, um, three, one. We're all saying back four to take it, because I am as well. Are you you saying back four for, for Saturday, Scott? I actually don't know. Uh oh. well it's 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 different games require different different sort of setups. Uh, my my concern is is how we get on in possession. When when it's Halkett and Kent as part of that sort of back three, I think against Aberdeen we're not going to have as much of the ball, and it will become more of a a game of sort of you know winning our battles and winning our individual battles, and that is when the likes of you know Kent, Newenhoff, and that have maybe more to contribute than maybe what they do in in these sort of home games against the likes of you know Dundee and Ross County. So I do think for me. I would stick with the three, uh, but I would make sure that probably Grant comes in uh, and sort of plays in a, a bit more of an advanced role. Okay. Collie Tate done really well last night. I was going to say, would you, would if you play I'm Tate? Being completely honest, Aberdeen are good in the midfield with Shinny, and then if you've got Clarkson and McGrath playing in front of them, I feel like this is going to be a game where we're going to need two people sitting in in front of the back three. So for me, I would go with Benny and Neuenhoff, even although Tate had a, a better 30-minute cameo than Neuenhoff or Benny had last night. But again, you've got to consider the opponents as well. So I would stick with Benny and Neuenhoff and I'd have Grant playing in front of them. Uh, and then whatever you want to do sort of uh, in, in front of them, probably 
either Vargas or Forrest playing up front with Shankland, probably. Okay. What do you what do you fancy, Mark? Then team wise, any any major changes for you personnel? I suppose if you're going with a four, who's left back for you? But Kingsley at left back, and I've got Cochrane further forward. So I've got Lembe- Craig in goal, Lembekisa, Kent, Halka, and Kingsley, Tate and Benny, um, Forrest or Vargas, Grant and Cochrane, and Shankland in attack. I just think we're playing Cochrane is three to... of the attacking midfielders. Yeah, I'm just playing him further forward, but giving him more of a free role. Um, I, I don't think. No I sure think how you... I'm having that, to be honest. Well, you're not having Craig in goal. To, to be fair, Scott's not having actually... Macaulay Tay. I mean, I actually like this. I like the fact that we're because too much of the time we if kind you of go all for it at the back. Whatever. There's an option there to play Cochrane in the centre midfield. Yeah, you could I, do that. You I, could I, do I, that as well. I'd sooner play him in the centre midfield in the holding than I'd play him in the attacking three. Well, I'm just I'm just here to annoy you tonight. Clearly, apparently, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll play Shankland as a holder and Cochrane through the middle. There you go. <laughs> right. I can be let's obstreperous just, as well, son. Yeah. Let's 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 just make our predictions. Come on then. Score line score. Line. I've I've got a score line in my head and it's gonna be two 0 and I don't I, I try and avoid saying Shanklin, but I'm gonna I'm gonna back him to get back on a score sheet with both goals. Oof. Both. Okay. Mark. One nil Shanklin penalty. Take that as well. What about you, Scott? <laughs> I'm going to say 2-1, and I think Alan Forrest is going to get a goal. Nice. We'll take that. Deserves to, to get another goal. He's been playing very well recently. Take any of those. We know, we've, think... we, we know we've got a back three and a back four that's playing at the weekend. It's just which one he starts with and which one he changes because we're in trouble. <laughs> yes. Well... It will be interesting. Well, thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week to review that game. Hopefully another positive result for Hearts. Whatever happens, we'll be back to talk about it. And yeah, Hearts back with a a bang in terms of league action with a fantastic comeback. Goals raining in in the storm weather at Tyne Castle. Until next time, goodbye.